welcome to Jangle Girls podcast. We are really happy to be here with you again. My name is Leona. I'm a product manager and a Jangle Girls board member, organizer and coach. And with me, I have my co-host, Aisha Bello, who is a solutions architect, also a Jangle Girls board member, previous organizer, coach and attendee. Today, we are really excited to welcome our guest, Maria Fiolante. She will tell us all about herself in a bit. So, Maria, welcome. Thank you. Let us know about yourself, where you live, and what you currently do. Well, thank you, and good job on my name. That was impressive. Thank you. (laughs) Um, My name is Maria Violante. I'm a web developer. Um, I'm currently self-employed, and I mostly do contracting um, for Butter CMS, which is a headless CMS. And um, I live in Michigan, which is in the United States. Uh, the weather is beautiful today. I should have been outside. Um, and I forgot what the rest of the questions are. So <laughs> I think you you got it, like where you live, what you currently do, and tell us about yourself. I think I think that sums it up. Yeah. 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 Awesome. That's, that's enough. I feel that's very great. proud. I'm doing great. <laughs> yes. You're natural. So tell us, how did your story with coding and Django Girls start? Yeah, um, I think it's a little bit of a weird story because um, every time I tell somebody, they're always like, really? But um, Special I, one, I call it. <laughs> yeah, special story. Um, I used to be an occupational therapist. Um, I actually still have a, a valid OT license in the United States to practice in case, I don't know, I need an emergency plan or something, although I don't see myself returning to that. Um, in March, right when COVID started, I was working in a hospital and I was exposed to COVID and unfortunately got uh, very ill. Um, and I, w- I was really sick. I lost my voice. I didn't have any energy. Um, I couldn't return to work. And this was in the very beginning of the pandemic. So nobody had any idea what was happening. Um, you know, if we were going back to work, um, it was a really scary time. And because I had no voice, I was super lonely. I couldn't talk to anybody. And so I was texting this friend of mine like constantly um, while she was trying to work. And she was really annoyed. And for the last like 10 years, she's been telling me, you need to learn to code. Um, You would love it. You'd be great at it. You really need to learn to code. Um, And finally, I think she just got like fed up and she just mailed me a book. It was Python Crash Course by, I think it's Eric Matthews is the author. And so I had nothing else to do. And I didn't have any attention span and I was like barely awake most of the time. So I just kind of sat there on my couch with this book and this little laptop and I started going through the exercises and like I still can feel the way it felt the first time like I hit like that first print statement and hello world like pops up in the terminal. I was just like, this is the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me in my whole life. And Retrospectively, it's really obvious that I should have looked at this sooner because I love puzzles. I love languages. I love having like a really tricky, thorny problem and kind of like chip, chipping away at it and trying to figure out a new way to, to do something. So um, it's pretty obvious to everyone around me that I should have been doing this a long time ago. Um, so I started Python Crash Course. And after I kind of got through most of that book, I was really excited to do a project. And so my friend, Rachel Calhoun, who um, was, I think either currently is or previously has been um, a Django Girls uh, board member, was, um, and has run several workshops, um, was like, you should just, you should just do Django Girls. It's like the easiest way to get started. It's the best way to get started. You should totally do this. And so I kind of went through the Django Girls tutorial. Um, at the time, they weren't really doing in-person events because again, COVID. 
And it, it was amazing. And I, I don't think I knew at the time, like how great it was, because I didn't have enough experience to know that like deploying a project and setting up a project is like the worst part of the project. It was super easy. It was super fun. I was like building models. And then like I was deploying my website and I was like, this is this is great. So Django Girls is actually how I got started in web development and, and working with Django. And um, it's it's been really amazing. After I did some work with that, I had a couple um, private clients. I just kind of like was like, hey, I'll build you a website if you give me some money. And they were like, sure. And I was like, I can't believe this is working. And uh, <laughs> I did that for a while. And then um, I got an internship through um, Outreachy, which is a um, it's an organization specifically trying to get marginalized people into code. And they work primarily with open source uh, projects. So uh, the Tor project was one of the um, organizations that year. And so like you said, basically, they all have like a little coding challenge and then you submit to their coding challenge. and. And I did that. And of course, I was using the Django Girls tutorial because the project was about building a Django website. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how do I do, you know, variables again and M files? And like, how do I set this up? And, uh, oh, I have to write a new view. And like, should it be class or function based and, and all that stuff? And um, somehow I managed to actually like be selected for that. And that was really life changing for me. It was three months. It was paid. I worked full time. Uh, as a developer uh, with a mentor. And I think mentorship is so important, which is another reason I really love Django Girls. It's connecting people together, helping people get mentorship. There's like like that awesome Slack channel that sometimes I, you know, peek in and see if anyone's around to help me out with something. Um, and then after that mentorship was over, you know, a couple more months, months went by and I was able to actually, you know, land a nice paid contracting gig that I currently do today. So I'm, I just, it's completely changed my life. And I, I don't know, I, I forgot the beginning of the question. So <laughs> now I was just going to say, Maria, I used still do you still miss being a therapist an occupational therapist um yeah. I, miss, I miss my patients uh I, I was you know to become an occupational therapist it's a huge investment um and I, I I I'm very passionate about um like disability advocacy um and it was a really good fit for me in so many ways um I, I think I was pretty good at it. Um, I had I, you know my patients seemed very happy they had good results and good outcomes but unfortunately Right now, working in healthcare in the United States is kind of like like working at a McDonald's. Like it's not really about you know treating the patient, making sure people get better, um, you know, making sure they have experiences that aren't traumatic. It's mostly about like churning through them as fast as you can, you know, so the hospital makes as much money as they can from the insurance. And there's a lot of like very shady practices. There's like pressure to do these like shady practices that. Honestly, I don't like bending rules. Like I get very uncomfortable. I have like all sorts of like weird emotional issues. So uh, about stuff like that, like I can't do it. So I think I, I liked being an occupational therapist, but I don't think I could work as an occupational therapist in the United States with healthcare being what it is right now. Does that kind of make sense, or? Yeah. yeah so if you if you then think about if you then think about the the sort of work that you do at the moment, what are the most enjoyable? Thing that makes you get up every day and think this is the best job currently and it fits me really well the, um you mean being a programmer or yeah. yeah i i mean like honestly like i said i love to solve puzzles um i found that a lot of the skills that i learned as an ot and previously before that i was an apartment manager like i, I was a uh, like i did like you know, you know like there was like 300 apartments and i was like a manager for a company um i did that for a long time I think that a lot of the skills that I learned in both of those uh, fields were like immediately transferable over to programming. Um, you know, a lot of people skills, writing skills, um, selling, you know, selling yourself, selling your product, writing good copy. Um, right now I'm doing some project management. So we have all of these different starter projects for these different stacks and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big project. I think there's like 22 stacks in total. Um, and so 
there's a lot of like to do list items and organization and priority and, and kind of like communicating with this agency that's like doing this for us. And all of those things have been, um, you know, I felt very comfortable doing all of that because I had done all that before, just not software related. So I think, I guess like if I had to pick my favorite thing about my job though, it's probably the fact that like no two days are the same. Like I thrive on change. I like things to be novel and interesting. And, you know, I mean, sometimes it's very frustrating when you have a problem that you're really struggling to solve, but overall it's almost, you know, it's very rewarding in that way to, to always have something new to work on. Um, I get bored very easily and I'm generally not bored as a programmer. So, But I actually think that what you said is really important. Like just for anyone listening, um, it's, I get a lot of stories like, oh, I've been, you know, I've been in healthcare for this many number of years, or I've been in, in an accounting profession. Like, how do I switch to tech and start from scratch? And, you know, sometimes people actually forget that there are a lot of transferable skills that you yeah. can take from, you know, your career from before and bring it into tech. There are Tech is huge. It's not just about coding. There are people who are dedicated doc writers. Yes. You know, there are people who do just testing. Like, there's just, there's a place for everybody. Absolutely. You know, there are people who are experts in, you know, fintech. Like, there's a place for everybody, regardless of your background. There's health tech. Like, there's so much. There's insurance tech. Like, there's, there's just yeah. so much that you could do. Like, where you can learn coding, take your previous passion, passions or career and just merge them together and then create something astonishing right yeah. which is which is why we have the innovation that's going on today i just didn't want to glance over that because that's like super key oh i totally uh, agree with you yeah i was also thinking because you mentioned about um during the time when there's no in-person event and mm -hmm. then you end up going on the website and then you just follow the tutorial I, that never occurred to me that would be the case for someone and changes someone's life because yeah. the fact that from my experience the only thing I ever done started being uh, an attendee attending a, a Django Girls event and that's when I first knew about the Django Girls tutorial and then organizing in-person event and when COVID hit we kind of like let's don't do anything because we can't yeah and there were times that I thought, well, how can we help others? Because yeah. is this the only way? And I just didn't didn't think anyone would just yeah. go on the website and end up changing the lives that way. How do you find that, though? Because it's very different when you attend in person where you've got a mentor to support you throughout the day and you've kind of have a time limit to do that whereas mm -hmm. I'm sure that is not quite the case when you were following the tutorial. Well I did have help from someone who you know was working with Django Girls so um, I, I did have questions I could just you know call her or email I really couldn't mm. talk but like text her or email her um, because I, I think that I think you're, I understand what you're saying, whereas like if you're not having these in-person in events, like are people getting the same value? And for me, I think that the website is an amazing resource for a couple of reasons. Of course, there's the fact that you have those, like not that knowledge base there, you know, getting people through the process of like setting up a project and deploying it, making models, learning good habits, but also just the like the cultural aspects like the knowledge of like this organization being there how big it is how many people are involved with it how many people are, are deriving value from it like 
it made me feel because I was starting my journey into tech at a time where I wasn't really able to communicate with people in person or even like on the phone or something. Um, it, it made me feel like there could be a place for me in this world because I was I could see like, oh, this many people who are you know women have done this like and are participating in this. And I think that's very important, even just like the cultural signaling and like marking this visual space of like, you know, we exist, we're here and we're supporting each other. I think it's amazing. And um, and there are other places like I still get support. Like there is like the, the Slack channel, for example, um, which unfortunately I'm not in too much because I try to stay off of Slack because it is kind of a big time, you know, like you can very easily just lose like a whole day in there. But um, but you know, like just knowing that that's there, it's available, that people are willing to help you and that people are willing to support you, I think was invaluable. I very much like have no self-confidence and like that was so crucial for me and it has made me more confident. And, and as I've moved forward in my professional career, I have definitely gained a lot of confidence and become a much better advocate for myself and even for others. And I think that honestly, that website was a huge part of it and the organization was a huge part of it, despite me never having attended an event, if that makes sense. I'm so grateful to hear that and also really proud that how Django Girls helped, to yeah. be honest. Because yeah. Um, yeah, this is the first time I heard someone just not attending an event and, and end up, you know, the, the way it goes with you, which was brilliant. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, so I, I'm sure you've already got an answer to this, but um, you can say the same person with more reasons, or you can say a different person. Is there anyone in your journey? So if you think about the journey, get to where you are now, um, anyone who was kind of a source of encouragement or inspiration to get to where you are like I said you can say the same person can I say three people else. or is Good. that yeah, is, yeah. That, is that not too many so obviously Rachel Calhoun who I mentioned earlier um you know she's she's been an amazing mentor for me both in getting started but then also once I was actually getting somewhere and I was like like I remember when I got my first offer I got another offer like right after that and I was panicking like oh god like I have two competing offers like what do I do how much money do I ask for like you know that whole process I think it's very hard not just on the technical side but uh the mentorship is so valuable in terms of like the um like the social like kind of knowing what the rules are and how to proceed and what the procedures are how much to ask for how to advocate for yourself what kind of job you should be looking for um so that's like Rachel was yeah, just, I, I can't, I honestly, over, I'm over my life at this point, right? Um, my mentor at the tour project was amazing. Um, I, I can't pronounce his name because it's, it's like this, it's, it's like this European name that's very difficult for me, but I call him Alex. And then I think it's Feroy, like it's F-A-R and then the O with the little dots. Um, he was so just patient with me, but very encouraging. And um, like, I, I, I gained so much confidence there and learned some like amazing, you know, very important skills and principles from him um, that I just, you know, again, like, I don't think I would be here without that help. Um, and again, like it was a full-time internship. So he was mentoring me. That was his only job was to mentor me during that time. Like, I mean, he had his job, but I mean, like in terms of relationship to me, like I was building this project mostly by myself. And the whole time he was there, like as a lifeline. And that's like, that was amazing. And then um, Eric Matthews, yeah, I, his book is amazing, but also I emailed him and I was just like, thank you so much for this book. And he was like so kind and just really like made me feel super welcome because again, everyone in the Python community is very welcoming. They're very welcoming of beginners. They're very welcoming of people at all levels. They want to hear your ideas, even if you're you know, new. And I just, I, it really stuck with me. Like I have his email saved and when I'm having like a tough day, I go read it and I just feel like really 
great that, you know, like someone kind of so lofty to me is so accessible. I'm like, I don't know. So I guess those would be my three people. I think I answered the question. Maybe I didn't. I kind of drift a little bit. So sorry. No, it's all, it's all great. Um, I think in anyone's journey without the support of certain people, it doesn't need to be just the one. I think it's really important, the fact that you mentioned about the community. Because I, I equally feel the same, even though I'm in the UK. The yeah. Python community, the Python community in the UK is 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 equally supportive, and I I do find every person I have met throughout my sort of journey since since I started getting involved in Jungle Girls, everyone's been so you know easy to approach and really friendly and just really you know supportive. And just good people. I mean, honestly, like I remember. When I first was um, applying for that internship, there was, you have to like put in a ticket and I, I was upset because someone else did like the ticket I wanted to do or something like that. And I was like, oh, I wish this person like, you know, I, I was kind of like mouthing off to my friend. I was like, oh, I wish they, you know, failed or something. And my friend was like, no, there's enough space in this community for both of you and you can't act like that. And ever since that moment, like, it, like I completely been super aware of how I'm reacting to people and making sure that I too am being welcoming because people have extended that shingle out for me. People have extended that bridge out to me. So I have to make sure that I'm doing that too. I mean, I have a ton to offer people at this point in time, but anything I do have, I'm, I'm happy to do because again, people have done that for me. Does that kind of make sense? Sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it's not I, at all. I, I usually say this and I'll say it again, came for the language, stayed for the community. Oh, I love that. that. Never been, you know, true like it's always true like every single day like I hear a lot of different stories it's just it's just always the same like the Python community does a whole lot in making sure everyone of every creed race color um gender or non-gender identity feels welcome yeah age as well regardless of age like it just it's just amazing like I don't know I don't know I know I wouldn't want to put in a language where the community is brutal for sure like so (laughs) I did some looking around, but I was like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll stay. I mean, I have learned like a lot of JavaScript at this point because, you know, I'm doing full stack. So I obviously need to learn front end in order to do full stack. But um, but I definitely feel like if I had to pick my community, it's it's the Python community. It's the Django community for sure. So I know it sounded all really smooth and it went kind of really well throughout, you know, the, your story so far. But I'm sure there would be some challenges. Would you be able to share some of the challenges you face? Yeah, um, well, I think maybe one reason that I tell it smooth is because I'm used to rejection. So um, I'm a writer. And if you know anything about writers, you know that like we submit a lot and we get rejected a lot. Um and uh, I'm, I'm very excited to have a novel coming out in January, but the process of like getting to that point was like 10 straight years of rejection. So I think that a lot of times, like when I'm looking back at like my coding you know, journey or whatever, my, my brain tends to like just kind of gloss over the hard bits because it's like, well, that that's a normal part of the process. And, you know, part of that's probably a perspective that comes with like Asian experience. They were definitely difficulties. I mean, getting that first paying client was very difficult. And then getting that first, I would say like, I call it a job. I mean, like I work as a contractor, but like, you know, that first job offer where it was like, this is for extended work over like an indefinite time period. Like that was, 
it was it took me like i think four months after my internship ended and i was pretty consistently like applying and doing like coding challenges and there were definitely moments where i was like have i done something crazy like it, this because i you know i blew up my whole life right i i took out this like huge student loan and became an occupational therapist it took me like three years of grad school and like you know i i definitely felt like am i insane but it helps that there was someone else in the house so i am married and my partner was um just kept telling me like yes but you're happy now <laughs> and like you know i think that having that reflected back onto me was it was really helpful and, and very important because you know honestly like i think if i didn't work in this i would still be doing this in fact i think i would be doing it more to be totally honest because i, I love coding but you know when you're working you kind of work on the, the task you're assigned to and so you don't have the chance to like follow down all your little rabbit holes and stuff there are like tons of projects that i just like want to do that i know i don't have time for right now but yes there were definitely difficulties and definitely getting that first my friend just kept telling me look your first job is the hardest like your first job is the hardest and then you know, obviously there's a lot of self-doubt there and, you know, in that negotiation process of like getting the offer and then asking for money and all of that. It was, it was, I think I cried a lot. I probably drank quite a bit to be honest, but everything turned out okay. And I'm, I'm really, really happy where I ended up. So, yep. If you are able to go back in time though, would you change anything? I would have done this earlier. Like I probably <laughs> would have just started it like 10 years ago. The common totally theme, we keep hearing that. Yeah. yeah. I think that looking at it now, there are definitely some like deeply held beliefs that kept me out of coding for a long time. Like I said, for example, oh, I'm bad at math. I'm actually not bad at math. In fact, when I was in high school, I got into a magnet center for mathematics, like a very like high level center for the state. But I just, for some reason, like in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm bad at things. I'm you know bad at math. And I, I think that's probably gender based, like where I, I grew. So I went to school in the deep South and this idea that, and like, again, I'm a little bit older too. So we're talking like, you know, some indefinite amount of time ago that I'm not going to give an exact number for. Uh, there was this idea that like girls don't do math and girls don't do science and girls don't understand technology. And so even though my whole life like proves this is a lie, like I was building computers at a young age, I wasn't doing like programming, but I was like putting them together and like making them run. And I was doing like science experiments and taking apart the toaster. And like, you know, all of this is math. It is science, right? Because it's just an applied way of looking at the world. And like, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's not for me. I can't do that. And so like I didn't. Right. And the truth is, it's very much for me. And I just wish that I kind of like had believed in myself like 10 years ago because I would have saved myself a lot of pain and like a bunch of student loans. And I probably have a lot more money right now and like all sorts of things. So, yeah, I would say that many years ago was quite different in terms of looking at women in tech or science or even yeah, maths because yeah. I, I do think especially in the last couple of years we do talk a lot more now and it may not get to where we want to yeah. but we are definitely talking more and there are more women wanting to go into tech or science industry and it's getting better I would say um, yeah, I've definitely, definitely seen that we're bit. definitely seeing more college admissions like women in, in many programs are 50 or over 50 percent I think it's like I didn't know very much about the history of programming before and like how integral women were to like early programming. I mean, a lot of early programming was primarily driven by women. And then once it started making money and I say men and women very loosely, I'm not like making statements about gender right now in, in terms of like, I'm not trying to exclude anybody. I'm just kind of like talking loosely. Um, once it, it started being very lucrative, then women started getting pushed out of tech. Right. And so I think that like, I don't know, knowing that I feel really good about working in tech. I'm like, yeah, I'm taking it back. But like, that's not, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. That's just, yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it puts a little spring in my stuff, that's all, you know. 
what would you say you're most proud of? Oh, man. Well, I've done a lot of work for Butter CMS that I'm really proud of. I, I think that one thing that always gives me joy is when there's something that like isn't optimized in some way. And then I work on it and then it's like all clean and pretty. Like, I know this sounds really silly, but we had, I don't know why this is the thing I most enjoy or I'm happiest about, but like, this is what for some reason I'm like thinking of right now. There's like a comp compilation image of G2 badges on our website. And for like years, they would download all the badges each quarter. And then someone would go into Photoshop and like put all the badges into a picture and then like upload that into the website. And as you can imagine, that's just like, like a huge amount of time and effort and also like we're programmers come on so like you know i just wrote like a little script that would take all the badges and just like inject them into a css grid so that it looks all pretty and like they're all there and, I, and then I, I don't have to do that again in the future like i don't have to go into photo i don't like doing photoshop so i definitely think that like it sounds silly because like you know i mean i'm not like saving the world here but like i i like optimizing things i like saving myself and others time and effort down the road and you know i really like i really like working at butter i think it's a great product um the customers seem to really like it so you know i just things that i've done there have made me pretty happy i designed um i did the implementation for all of like the customer case study pages we're right now rolling out all of these starter projects like i said there's like 22 stacks that we support we don't have a starter for all of them but for all of the non-mobile stacks we are just about done so i have worked with like a team of developers you know getting all of these projects up to spec rolling them out it's been a huge undertaking it has taken like literal months and probably years off my life to be honest it's been a little stressful but i'm very very proud of it very excited about it and i'm very excited to see people using them too right because people do use them and then you know they they have questions they come in through like the customer service or whatever and i'm always excited to see a starter project question because a i probably know the answer since i you know worked on them but <laughs> b you know it's, it's it's exciting to see something that you've done being used by people and kind of, you know, being adapted and, and, and worked on in different ways. So I think as far as like programming wise, that's probably like that, that whole piece of it is probably it for me. I think personally, personal wise, like I said, I have a novel coming out in January, which Woo! it was, I know, oh my gosh. Right. And it was a journey. <laughs> like, let me tell you, cause um, after I got my agent, so the process of getting an agent took me like 10 years. And then after I got an agent, I died on sub twice, which means we had, I wrote two entire books that my agent like sent out to all these editors for like two years. Right. And one wow. of them had a pandemic in it and we sent it out and then the pandemic happened and it was like, oh, no one was going to buy it. Yeah. Wow. It didn't work out great. So, um, you know, it was, it was a long, long, long journey. And so then like to actually finally get the offer and have that book coming out, like obviously I'm super proud of that. And it's funny because a lot of the clues, it's like a, it's a suspense novel, but a lot of the clues are actually related to my background in programming, right? Like I've taken things that I learned at Tor and like moved them into this book. So my two worlds are kind of informing each other, if that makes sense. Sounds really interesting. What's the name of, are you allowed to say the name of your Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Liar, Dreamer, Thief. It's under okay. my pen name, which is Maria Dong. Dong is my Korean uh, family name. And um, if you go to Maria oh, Dong. I write all this down. Oh that's my okay. gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Okay. I like the, I like the title. I feel like that has, that's definitely really special. Pick that title. So one thing people don't realize is that you don't get to pick your title when you sell your book, like the publishing oh. house picks it. And really? it's like a war because we went through like, I think like 500 titles, like almost, I don't think I'm joking. I think that's serious because like we would pick a title. I really liked it. The editor liked it. She would send it up the chain and like, you know, 16 or 17 different people have to sign off on everything that goes on the book, the wow. title, the cover, everything. So they just kept kicking it back. And like, we would send another title up and they kicked it back. And so like, but when the title was actually like finally finalized and they were like, yes, this is your final title. Like I didn't believe it because they had said that, you know, like 
these last couple titles might be the final title. And so I like waited for like months before I told anybody. So <laughs> yeah, so receive the title again slowly so that everyone hears. Thank you. Yes, it's liar, comma, dreamer, comma, thief. Yes. And it's a suspense novel um, with a very light speculative twist coming out in January of 2023 from Grand Central. Are you doing like a release party? Because I really like my VIP tickets. I, I don't know. I actually have my first publicity meeting later this month. So I actually don't know any of that because you don't meet that part of your team until about six months before the book comes out. So I have no idea, but I will let you know. So. Is it only available in the US or is it available no. internationally? Uh, well, it depends. It depends. Like they're going to like, so I don't actually know yet. That's they, they don't always decide that right out of the gate. Um, so right now, like copies of the book are going out to these different, you know, international presses and they're all like kind of looking at it and deciding. I did sell world rights so like they can sell it wherever they want to sell it if someone wants to publish it. So I don't know yet. Really hoping it is international because that would be great for me. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I believe we've got quite a few listeners who are not from any of the countries where we're from. I mean, just between the three of us is three different countries yeah, yeah, already. Yeah. So my dream is that it gets published in Korea because my family um, on my mom's side is Korean and the main character in the book is Korean American and actually Korean American or American books in general often don't do well in Korea, so they usually don't get picked up and sold there. But it would be so amazing to me if it was published in Korean, like translated into Korean. Like that's my that's my secret. Oh, that's that dream. would be a dream, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. It really would. Well, I don't know. It's just been so exciting. But do you have any tips or advice for you know just beginners in general who are starting their programming journey or just thinking of getting into you know a very similar path? Yeah. Well, if you're just starting out and you want to learn Python, I do recommend Python Crash Course. I learned a lot of habits in that book that like, you know, this is like much later now. I have a job now and people have commented like, oh, your commenting is really nice and clean. And I like how you set up all of your, you know, your documentation, everything, all of those good habits I learned from that book and from the Django Girls tutorial. So like once you finish that book and you're ready to like branch out to Django. And I actually think that Django Girls tutorial is a better Django project to start with than the Django project in the book. So I would say like finish the didactic portion of the book, then do the Django Girls tutorial, and then like pivot back and finish the projects in the book. If you're like kind of past that point and you need further resources, I found two scoops of Django to be really, really helpful, amazing. I think that if you're just starting out, it's a little too much. I tried reading it when I had just like, you know, started and I was, I was like having a panic attack. Like it's, it's too much, but if you're, <laughs> You've got all that stuff under your belt and you're ready. That's a great resource. I think other than that, the big thing I would say is like build a project, pick a big project, like shoot kind of high on it. You're going to learn a lot more from solving problems, trying to implement things and actually taking that project from the beginning all the way to the end. A lot of like I had this problem where I would start a project and then like it, I would start kind of making some stuff happen and then I wouldn't get all the way to the end. You want to finish that project. It gives you something to put in your tutorial. You're going to learn stuff in those like final steps. You learn things like, you know, maintaining the project, all of that. So definitely like, you know, pick something big, like something decent, something you might use and you'd be like happy to show off. Maybe something personal to you. I started like writing some games because you know, I'm a writer. And so immediately I was like, well, how do I like weave storytelling into it? And I was really excited about that. And I, I, you know, I took those pretty far. So I think that's really important. And then I think, you know, find mentorship, look for mentorship opportunities. If you have the choice, uh, like, so for example, when I first got my first offer, I had, I had two job offers. And one of the job offers was a place where I thought 
there was going to be more opportunity to learn and grow and have like mentorship. And the other place was more like, you know, ultimately, I think they probably would have been better in some ways, but it was not, it was going to be very much like, here's your project, you have three months, turn it in kind of thing. And I think that I made the right decision picking a place where, you know, I was going to be able to, to learn more and grow because early in your career, that's so much more important, I think, you know, and establishing those like connections with people so that you have like people to talk to and people to ask questions of. There's this developer where I worked named Orly. She is like absolutely amazing. She's like amazing at Django. She's amazing at Vue. I don't know how she does it. She helps him with a lot. And I, you know, that, that connection, I think I've learned so much from her and like her thought process and how she does stuff. So working at a place, even if you're a contractor, or even if you're, you know, doing your own projects, finding ways to connect with people so that you can kind of get that mentorship is, is super important. How can people reach out to you or follow your work or even find out more about when uh, there's more information about the book and how to get them? Yeah. Okay. So I live two lives and both of them were on Twitter. So if you're more interested <laughs> in like coding related things, I will, I will be honest. I'm not super active on the coding Twitter. I think because I'm on Twitter so much that it like my brain is like trying not to double Twitter all the time at Violante codes. That's V as in Victor, I O L A N T E and then codes like coding. And then for writing, I'm uh, Maria Dong writes. I think it's Maria underscore Dong underscore writes, but you can just go to mariadong.com and that's Dong like ding dong, like spelled just like it sounds. And like, I have a bunch of links that immediately come up in a link trees that you can, you know, pick whatever you need. Um, like, cause I have like a newsletter and all that stuff. So that was probably be the easiest ways to get a hold of me. I'll be honest. Like I am on Instagram. I am like terrible at it. I'm like old enough that the idea of like taking a picture on my phone is still like horrible to me. And so like, I just like generally don't remember to do that. So Instagram and I have not gotten along great. And now there's TikTok, which I can't even I can't handle. Yeah, I'm not on TikTok either. Like I, I, I never like, use it. <laughs> Instagram and, and Twitter and a little bit of Facebook because of my family members. Like I'm, I've, I've had about enough. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I'm like, oh my god, I have two Twitters and Instagram, like a LinkedIn, another LinkedIn. Like I can't, I can't keep up with it all. I need to write a program that just like does it all for me. <laughs> I think you're doing really well. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly inactive on on Twitter, even though people know what my twitter is and kind of follow me and i just talk all things about jungle girls on my fundraising that's like most of my coding twitter is like retweeting something about jago jago girls or yeah. like like butter cms so that's like yeah but you can message me there i'll, I'll see it eventually <laughs> eventually so, so before you go by i'm just curious yes. what's next for you oh man you know it's it's weird like i I feel like I've had a very twisty turning life. And so when people ask me how I see the future going, I really, I, I don't like have a way to answer that. I mean, if you think about like the month before the pandemic, I was pretty sure I was gonna be an OT until I died and maybe like not that happy about it. And then like in the same month, like July, like after I started all this coding stuff, I got my first job offer, I got my second job offer and I got my book deal. And so like my life like radically changed all in one month. So I really don't know. I, I like where I'm at. I really, like I said, I really love Butter. I love the, the product itself. I love the people I work with. Um, we just hired like three more people. It's a super international team, which I really, really love. You know, I love because I myself am mixed race and mixed culture. And so I like, I like kind of being in that environment. So I definitely want to like, you know, continue on my journey with them, especially since they're giving me a lot more responsibility lately. P.S. If you're going to Viewforge Source, the, the view, the Viewforge Source workshops on the 14th and 15th, I will be there running a butter um, orientation panel thing. And I'll also be running a workshop for them. Um, there'll be details online and, and it's completely free. 
and then of course like continuing on the writing journey i mean like i have that book coming out in january i have another book that i'm almost done with i hope i'm not sure that i really hope my editor likes fingers crossed i can't say anything more about it because these projects are always super secret until they're sold so but wish me luck good luck i need it (laughs) i think this book's gonna kill me like honestly (laughs) so we want to say thank you so much everyone for listening we hope you had a lot of fun. Um, it's been so amazing speaking to Maria, hearing her journey, how it's so unconventional. And I know it would apply to like so many people listening, but to check out our upcoming Jungle Girls workshops, how to organize or host, or just go to the tutorial on your own. Go to our website, www.jungogirls.org and follow us on Twitter at Jangle Girls. If you have any suggestions or feedback, feel free to reach out or to us via email, hello at janglegirls.org. Thank you for listening, everyone, and signing out. Bye. Thank you, bye.